When you're sad inside and feeling empty, romantic obsession can sometimes feel like the brand new direction that you've craved all your life. It's a fresh breeze. It's a reason for living. And for a person with unhealed trauma, the feeling of falling in love with another person can quickly turn into a portal where you abandon yourself. Life becomes all about them and things begin to fall apart in your own life. Other people can see you're acting in a destructive way, but when the other person doesn't feel that way about you and your obsession with the person is the thing that's making you feel like life is worth living, you may find yourself making up any reason you possibly can why you should continue to pour your emotions, your love, and your hopes into this relationship that doesn't even exist. This is limerence. It's an infatuation that's not actually a reciprocal, stable relationship. And two signs that it's happening are you're searching for hidden signs that the person who doesn't want you secretly does want you or belong with you. And two, you find yourself giving mystical meaning to ordinary things, all in the service of keeping the fantasy which is actually destroying you, alive, up in the air, you know, full of energy for you. So it is like being under a spell. How do you break it? Because leaving this fantasy can often feel like your world is crashing around you and it's painful. So people have a very hard time. Even when they know they need to stop it, it's very hard to do. So I have a letter today from a woman I'll call Lisa. She writes, Hi, Anna. I was emotionally neglected as a child with an alcoholic father and anxious mother. Most of my adolescent memories are of crying alone and pleading for someone to care. I was also the youngest of my siblings, so I was often left out and took on the role of scapegoat. Lots of rejection, exclusion, etc. I've released this resentment and have understanding and compassion for my family, but I'm still having trouble rewriting the story. I'm not sure what she means by that. Uh, I've got my fairy pencil. I'm going to be circling things that I want to come back to. I'm going to read her letter through, then we'll come back and see if we can help Lisa. Okay. The rejection pattern continued as I've had the recurring cycle of falling, quote, hopelessly in love with people who are unavailable, not ready, not willing, etc. And when I say in love, I mean unhealthily obsessed, romanticizing endlessly for years, continuous rejection has kept me in a state of feeling not good enough. Okay. My current conundrum is complex. The most recent manifestation of this pattern began about two years ago. We met while traveling and I felt that soul recognition feeling at first eye contact. We also recognized very quickly our shared passion of creating an off-grid community and we received the message that we were supposed to work together on that mission. Our destinations were aligned, so we decided to drive across the country together. He reminded me oddly of my father. It started slow. We didn't share intimacy until a few weeks in. Then we had sex and all my emotions, wounds, attachments, fears hit me like a train. And the first few times this happened, he held really good space for me, like almost too good. And I wanted to cling to that feeling of finally having the support I'd been yearning for. It did help me heal some of my father wounds so beautifully. This scared him because he doesn't want me to be dependent on him in any way. His walls went up quickly after that. 
and he pulled back, which only triggered my anxious attachment to reveal itself even more. We were able to work through it enough to maintain connection, and when we parted ways, we decided we would stay in a long-distance relationship until we reunited in the place that we would start community together. While apart, I was the only one that initiated any contact. When we would talk, it always felt cut short, like he wasn't fully present or interested. He always had something better to be doing. He said he just wasn't great at long distance. When I would express my concerns, it actually would only push him further away. So I, quote, broke up with him a few times because it was too difficult for me to bear, although breaking up with him didn't actually ease my longing and heartache. It made it worse. Fast forward a year later, and we are reunited, him and I, and a few other friends who were gifted land. This whole experience was so divinely guided. Dreams coming true. I get to live in a beautiful fairy jungle with my soul family. The only problem, I'm still infatuated with him, and he only wants to be friends because, in his words, he's not ready for a relationship. We're living together, sleeping in the same room, basically together 24-7, but with no intimacy, verbal reassurance, validation, or deep connection. I started experiencing CPTSD flashbacks and having intense emotional pain. My expression of that pushes him away energetically, thicker walls. We spiral into our toxic avoidant and anxious dynamic, and he doesn't feel inclined to do the work to meet me in the middle because we're not in a romantic partnership. The rest of the farm family started to see my big emotional outbursts and it, I became draining for them. So everybody is setting boundaries. My inner hurt child receives this personally as exclusion and rejection, feeling so similar to being excluded by my siblings growing up. I continue to be triggered, explode, feel guilt and shame, apologize and plead for understanding. They don't seem to really understand. They just feel exhausted and so do I. So I decided to take space and here we are. I've been gone for about a week now. I'm still experiencing anxious attachment now toward the whole family and I feel left out. I really want to be able to live there and reach harmony because it feels so much like my home, my tribe, and where I'm supposed to be. I feel that his reflection in my life is very karmic and has brought a lot of healing for both of us. He shows up as best he can and offers the support he feels comfortable providing. It doesn't seem to be enough for me because I always want more, and that's frustrating for him. I know I need to release attachment and expectations of him and move in to acceptance that he does not want a romantic partnership with me. I'm not sure how to not take it personally and stop feeling so sensitive around him. Any words of wisdom would be appreciated. Okay, gosh, Lisa, this sounds so painful, and I'm really glad you wrote. We're going to go through this again, and I'm going to help you hear what you're telling me. But what I hear is that you are working so hard to take what's actually happening and turn it into something magical and meaningful, and I'm assuming this is because it's so painful you can't face it. So this is going to be, you know, I don't want to be hard on you, but it might be hard for you to hear this because, because I think what's going on is a lot plainer than you've allowed yourself to see, okay? So this is really common for people with CPTSD. You're not alone. This is, this is how limerence works. I know you know that's what this is. All right. 
limerence for anybody who's new to the word. It's infatuation, obsession with somebody, usually does not characterize an actual relationship that's reciprocated. And one of the key signs is that you're looking for hidden meaning in things, hidden signs that this is actually a big deal relationship, even though the other person doesn't know it yet. Okay, that's, and that's what's going on here. That's what I hear. So you start out, you tell us a little bit about your past, and this part is so, just made me so sad. You were emotionally neglected as a child. I'm so not surprised when I hear how this is playing out for you. Alcoholic dad, anxious mother. All right, so there's the roles. And most of your teenage memories are of crying alone and pleading for someone to care. And it just sounds like that's exactly what's going on right now. So in a way, you're, the situation you've got yourself into right now has you sort of in an adolescent place, a childlike place, where, you know, the problem with being a teenager is you don't get to leave, you kind of have to just endure it. So you were the youngest of the siblings. You often got left out and took on the role of scapegoat. Okay, left out. That sure came up again, huh? Um, still having trouble rewriting the story. So I don't know what you mean by that. I think you mean, you know, changing the course of your life. And I will help you do that. But if you mean trying to pretend what's happening isn't happening, like rewriting a story, I'm going to help you not do that. I want you to look at the story, how it's really playing out, because that's the truth is what you need to heal. All right. So the rejection pattern continued and you've, you'd had, yeah, rejection, so much rejection. And you've had a recurring cycle of falling hopelessly in love with people who are unavailable, not ready, not willing. And when you say love, you mean unhealthily obsessed, romanticizing endlessly for years. And you know what? You're right. That is different than love. Obsessing on somebody is its just kind of like a place you go in your mind. It's an escape. It's not really the verb of loving another person. And, you know, if we were going to be strict about it, if you really love someone and they don't want to be with you, then you would let them not be with you. You wouldn't put any more energy into trying to make them into something that they're not. That's what real love is. That's a tall order when you're obsessed with somebody, I know. And you say, continuous rejection has kept me in a state of feeling not good enough. So, yep, there it is. So, but I want to help you become empowered in this story to see how this is actually a situation you're creating. All right. So you say the most recent manifestation began about two years ago. You were traveling. You say, we met while traveling. And I felt that soul recognition feeling at first eye contact. So I don't know if you know this, but that soul recognition at first eye contact is a limerent belief, a limerent behavior. The, you know, I realize you may have a spirituality where you believe that souls suddenly find each other and then it all works out. But I can't tell you the number of letters I get from people who are using that kind of new age belief system or spirituality, which might otherwise be helpful or meaningful to them. They're using it to put themselves in terrible situations. And this is where it begins. I feel a soul recognition, but because of the way you were raised, I'm just going to say, and the way it played out, what you're recognizing there is somebody who's not into you. Something, a feeling that you have had before in relationships with your father, of rejection, of being left out. So there's a recognition there, and it feels like a soul recognition. Now, I know you're going to go on to say that you have this other destiny going on, but if it were your destiny and it were good for you, it wouldn't feel like soul death. Because that's what you're describing you're going through is soul death. Okay. You said, we also recognized very quickly our shared passion of creating an off-grid community. Okay. 
and received the message that we were supposed to work together on that mission. And so, again, received the message that you were supposed to work together. This is the kind of thing that limerent people often seize onto. Now, you did end up creating a community together. So, you know, you got the idea, you both wanted to do it, and you felt like that. I'm just going to put stuff in plain English. I'm just going to take the sort of spiritualization of this off of it and just say, you met, you decided this was a goal of both of yours, and you decided that you would go for it and you would try to do this. Then you say, it started slow. We didn't share any intimacy until a few weeks in. Okay. Just want to say, Lisa, that's not slow. That's fast. Three weeks is very fast. And in those first three weeks, you're going from soul recognition on day one till three weeks. And, you know, I just want to help you see, like, you're trying to convince yourself that this was very responsible, that you waited three weeks, but really you were just like diving off a cliff. You've just attached your whole plan for life to this guy. And something that I teach people to do all the time, and hopefully you've seen it in these videos, and that's why you're writing to me, is that if you have these traumas, you may want to consider waiting for much longer. I would say never less than three months. What you want to do is get clarity about the other person's character, their life situation, their feelings about you, their intentions for a relationship. So you found out after sex with him, or you know what, you may have found out before, but you just don't, not mentioning it here. And this is so hard because we're, we've all lived in a culture and grown up in a culture that believes and acts like, oh, it's totally fine. You know, you can just sleep with people and it's just part of your destiny. And then however it turns out, you'll just sort of go your separate ways. Well, I don't know how true that is even for people who weren't traumatized. But I know for people who have these terrible attachment wounds and have been rejected by their parents, it can be absolutely devastating. It can just hijack your whole life, your brain, your life, your heart. And then because you have these abandonment fears, you become hostage to your own need to stay with somebody that you slept with. And so it's very clear from the outside that you didn't have adequate information to know if this guy was really that into you or wanted to be your boyfriend or husband. And that you're using ideas like karma and soul recognition and receiving messages to justify rushing in. And, you know, this is just me here. It's Anna. It's the fairy. Like, I, like, I know you know, like, I'm not going to fall for that. I don't think it's magic. I think it's sexual attraction. And a person with CPTSD just kind of like putting them whole, their whole selves into a relationship without stopping first to get verification that this is what is going to work for them. I'm not hearing that you have any clarity at all about what does work for you and what you need. And so you're very, I, there's just like a hundred points here where you're kind of crap fitting, you're fitting yourself to whatever you got and then putting like magical dust all over it to go, but see, it's so meaningful. And I'm just going to sort of take that off. I'm going to take it off and just keep trying to show you what is, what is, not what's magical about things. I do agree life is magical sometimes, but if you're just sitting there feeling this miserable, that wasn't magic. That was PTSD. Okay. You, go, you say, then we had sex and all my emotions, wounds, attachments, fears hit me like a train. That's right. You sound like just about everybody with an attachment wound. So that's why I recommend people be so careful with crossing that line into sex because it will. Your wounds are going to come up and hit you like a train. And... If you are in a relationship that's really established, someone's already said, I love you, I'm with you, I want to be with you, I'm going to stick around, and those wounds come up, 
and they can kind of hang in there with you and help you with it, great. So what I heard you say instead is you say, the first few times this happened, like your wounds came up around sex a few times. Like I'm just saying, you know, it's, it's not supposed to be like that, all right? That's such a, that's, that's your soul screaming and saying, you've thrown me into this situation that is not sustainable and I'm not supported emotionally for being out on this ledge that you've walked me out onto. That's why you're crying. That's what I keep hearing. Like you're invalidating yourself. You're invalidating your own experience of what's happening. The reason you're having pain isn't because you're not spiritual enough. The reason you're having pain is because you're a real person. You're a real woman who wants to be loved. You know, who doesn't want to be just like used in some casual sex way and then is supposed to go off and pretend like it never happened. Like who is designed for that? People who do that well, it's usually not because they're healthy. Okay, just saying, and people will argue out there and you can argue, but this video is not for those people. This is for the people who get hurt, who get hurt by casual sex. Okay. So then you say the first few times it happened, he held a really good space for me, like almost too good. Okay. What do you even mean by holding a good space for you? I guess, I think what you mean is like, he didn't run away. He kind of helped you like process your feelings, but I just want to point out like, that's not good because what he wasn't was the man who loved you and wants to be with you. So holding a space for you is some kind of euphemism for, you know, was a buddy for you and didn't run away at first. Eventually you say his walls went up. You know, he just didn't want to deal with this at all. He didn't want you being dependent on him. He wanted casual sex. He wanted casual sex. And that's, you know, pretty common. People out there, that's what they do. That's fine for them. But that's not what you wanted. That's what you felt like you had to go along with. And I think that you couldn't cope with that. And so you were putting all this like karma belief on it. This, here's where you say something. This is, this is like a, for me, like when I hear this, that's like a red light flashing from, from right out of your mind. You say, it felt so good. I wanted to cling to feeling like I had the support I'd been yearning for. You wanted to cling to it, but you didn't actually have it. That wasn't the support you were yearning for. It was somebody who just, you know, had sex with you and stayed friendly for a few times, you know? That's not the support you're looking for. You're looking for somebody who's like really with you. Like, believe me, that pain of abandonment is a lot less when what's built into the relationship is that there isn't abandonment, there's commitment. So if you can wait until after some kind of commitment and be clear about the level of, I mean, clear about the level, don't crap fit, be very, ambitious about how much commitment you want before this is going to feel okay. Cause if you ever want to get out of this trap, you got to stop hurting yourself. Cause every time you hurt yourself, it's not only that you don't, you don't get what you want, but you get set back. You get set back. You get worn down, ground down a little bit. Your whole energy gets kind of damaged by it. So you don't want this to happen. You got to be very careful with your precious self here. And you'd be surprised how much better it can go when you treating yourself with that self-respect is there for somebody to fall in love with. They're a lot more likely to fall in love with somebody who doesn't just like move their boundaries wherever required to make the thing go. All right. That's, it's hard to love and respect somebody like that. And that's a hard thing to face, but I, that is almost always in play when this kind of dynamic is happening. Okay. So then you say, it helped me heal some of my father wounds so beautifully. And I'm just going to say, I'm not hearing that at all. It sounds like it helped bring up your father wounds and make them hurt you all over again. 
That's not healing. You know, you never say here that this is what he's telling you. If he told you this and you believed him, I'm just going to tell you he's manipulative and selfish. But you're not telling me he's saying that. Like, I think he's just like, hey, let's have casual sex. You know, no expectations, okay? Like, that would be really common out there. And it's you who's telling yourself, this is actually a healing. I'm getting destroyed, but it's actually a healing. And this is the thing you're telling yourself. All right, I know this is going to be hard to hear, Elisa, but from the outside, it's just like this doesn't sound healing at all. It sounds damaging. You say, this scared him because he doesn't want me to be dependent on him in any way. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want you. It's not that it scares him. I don't think scared is the word. That's a little bit like somebody is scared when they want intimacy, but it's hard to go that fast. He doesn't want it. So he's, he's put off. He's, he's repelled by you having this, all this like emotional thing on him, as if he's your dad, as if he's your husband or boyfriend, you know, and he's not. So that started getting weird for him. The ca his plan for casual sex wasn't working out. So what did he do? His walls went up quickly. He pulled back. And then you say, which only triggered my anxious attachment to reveal itself any even more. So now you're kind of like pathologizing natural reactions that you of course have because for you it was love, for you it was wanting to be with somebody and you jump the gun and you just had sex with somebody who didn't feel that way about you. So it's not that you're just having a PTSD reaction, you're just having a natural reaction to the fact that you're, you're just kind of walked into this situation that was totally hurtful to you. You say we were able to work through it enough to maintain connection and we parted ways deciding we would stay in a long distance relationship until we reunited in the place that we would start community together. While apart, I was the only one that initiated any contact. Okay, telltale sign. You know, there's a book called He's Just Not That Into You, and it hurts, but this is when somebody doesn't contact you and you're doing it all, he's just not that into you. And probably if he's like most men being chased by you, you contacting him all the time, trying to imbue this with all this meaning, it probably made him pull away even harder. It's uncomfortable, you know? And when you talked, if he would cut it short, like he wasn't fully present or interested, not like he wasn't present or interested. I think he was uncomfortable and like he always had something better to be doing. He said he just wasn't great at long distance. And that sounds like he was trying to spare your feelings. And that's what people do sometimes instead of saying, look, I just don't feel this way about you. You know, I'm not into it. They'll just say, look, I'm just not great at this. They'll see if they can sort of kick the can down the road. And then you said, when I would express my concerns, it would only push him further away. Yep. I broke up with him a few times because it was too difficult for me to bear, although breaking up with him didn't actually ease my longing and heartache. It made it worse. So something in you knew you needed to go, but by then you were sort of hooked. And I, it, we all know what that's like. It's such a horrible place to be, and I'm so sorry. So fast forward a year later, and we're reunited. Him and I and a few other friends were given land. And this whole experience was so divinely guided. Dreams coming true. I get to live in a beautiful fairy jungle, jungle with my soul family. <laughs> the only problem, I'm still infatuated with him and he only wants to be friends because in his words, he's not ready for a relationship. So I'm not ready for a relationship is almost never what, you know, that's like a, um, it's almost like a meme or a cliche. That's what somebody says when they don't want to hurt your feelings, but they don't want a relationship with you. But you already knew that. He, doesn't, he just doesn't feel that way about you. And some people, they can have sex quite happily with somebody they don't want to be with. And some of us cannot do that. I'm like that. You're like that. We're not compatible with people like him. Just not compatible, okay? Seems like it. And that 
traumatic childhood can make us think like, I should be able to fit myself to this. But the sign that you can't actually fit yourself to this is the way you have to keep putting magic fairy dust on everything to make it seem like it's actually meaningful and actually spiritual and actually destined. And that is the classic sign of limerence, all right? The only problem, I'm still infatuated with him and he only wants to be friends because he's not ready for a relationship. We're living together, sleeping in the same room, basically together 24-7, but with no intimacy, verbal reassurance, validation, or deep connection. And there you are, like everything in your being is like trying to suck that out of him. So I don't call that a soul family. I call that a soul prison. Your, pr your soul is in prison. Your soul is dying. You're not getting what you need. And you've already like, you kind of like fixed your, your attachment is on this thing that's like a stone. It's not giving it to you. So then you say, I started experiencing CPTSD flashbacks and that's what's going to happen, you know, when we're acting out of that rejected crap fit thing and having intense emotional pain. That's right, because that's very painful what's happening. My expression of that pushed him away energetically, thicker walls, and you spiraled into your toxic avoidant and anxious dynamic. So I think you're a little bit magicalizing that. This sounds harsh, but you're not in a relationship with him. So when it's like this avoidant dynamic, he's not avoidant. He just doesn't want to be in a relationship with you. So that I just want to help you like just get real about that. The cure for limerence is actually to like just come out into the light of day and go, oh, I'm totally feeling this way about somebody who really doesn't want me to do that. It's making him uncomfortable. It's making everybody else uncomfortable. And then you said, he doesn't feel inclined to do the work to meet me in the middle because we're not in a romantic partnership. I hear in your language here, and I, I notice this a lot in people who are limerent, there's like this extra effort around the language to soften it and make it sound beautiful and special. He doesn't want to do the work. He just wants you to stop, it sounds like. He just doesn't want to deal with it. So you, you put that very nicely. He's not inclined to do the work. And, uh, but I want you to just look at what it is. He, he just doesn't want to do it. This is getting weird for him. Okay. The rest of the farm family started to see my big emotional outbursts and I became draining for them. Draining in quotes. So everyone is setting boundaries. Yeah, so oh, I know. I know that feeling when you become that girl. My hurt inner child receives this personally as exclusion and rejection. All right, I'm going to ask you. I know inner child is meaningful to some people, but I'm going to ask you to not punt your feelings off onto an imaginary being called an inner child and just say, I am feeling like this. Is, I'm taking this personally. Just say, I. I am taking this personally. I can't help it. And you know what? I know what it means when we say don't take it personally. It's just how somebody else feels. But you know what? It is personal. It is you who feels this way and he doesn't feel the same way and really in a way there's nothing more personal and what's important to face is that doesn't mean that's who you are, that doesn't define who you are, but that defines this painful experience for you that you're stuck in and it's one you've been in before. So feeling so similar to being excluded by my siblings growing up, uh-huh. I continue to be triggered, explode, feel guilt, shame, apologize, and plead for understanding. I just want to say that part of you that explodes, that's like the one honest expression that comes out of this. I think you've been exploding the whole time, but you're suppressing it with all this like, you know, language and belief system. It's like, but it's really karma, but he's healing me, but blah, blah, blah. You know, we, we received a message about this. All of that, that's like, that's a layer put on to make it feel like it's okay. But actually this makes you angry. You're in a, you're in a terrible situation that's painful. 
that you gave yourself to this guy and he doesn't want the gift you gave. It feels terrible. It's okay. It's totally survivable. You can get out of this. Many people have done it. Practically everybody. I continue to be triggered, explode, feel guilt, shame, apologize, plead for understanding. They don't seem to really understand. They just feel exhausted and so do I. Yeah, because with that layer of trauma underneath it, when we do this, we're being irrational. We're being irrational. It just doesn't make sense. Like what a person who doesn't have trauma does is they, they sort of go through a period of sadness and then they adjust. They either leave the farm or they forget about the guy. They just get over it because they're like, oh, blah, blah, blah. you know, that wasn't real. Okay. Some people I think can get over having slept with somebody a few times, you know, and, and have a friendship. But I think it's actually pretty rare if there's actual romantic feelings there. I tell everybody, like, don't hang out with exes. If anybody has romantic feelings, it's always a recipe for pain. And if it's, it's going to hurt you, and when he gets together with somebody he wants to be with, it's going to hurt that woman. And so I decided to take space, and here we are. I've been gone for about a week now. I'm still experiencing anxious attachment. Mm -hmm. I think you're experiencing abandonment, Melange, too. So we can give that to ourselves by stepping out of a situation where we were attached. But it's okay. This feeling will pass. Um, it's feeling toward the whole family and you feel left out and you really want to be, you want to live there and reach harmony because it feels so much like home, your tribe and where you're supposed to be. And this is sad because this is very jeopardized right now. If I had to put money on it, I would say there's a 10% chance you're going to be able to find harmony there and be at peace with this guy there. It's not a very good chance. I don't think there's a lot of peace for you there. I think it might be worth a try because it just, it's something you always wanted, but I would encourage you to take at least a few months. Take some time to absorb the reality of what has happened, of what really is. Have an honest conversation with the farm and with him about what's really going on and just say, I'm sorry, I'm romantically obsessed. I need a few months to go cool out. I want to come back. I really want this to work. And I'm going to go get this out of my mind. It might be worth a try for this incredible thing that you wanted. But if, if there wasn't this incredible thing with land and I, it sounds like something you would totally lose if you walked away, I would just say, cut all contact now. No good comes from sticking around in a limerent relationship. It is soul draining and soul killing. And it will block you from ever finding real love and it will keep that wound agitated all the time. Like you need a certain amount of peace. Sometimes you need to get all effed up about something that happens to be prompted into healing, but then you need a peaceful place to do it. You need to not constantly have the thing agitated. So what's cool, you know, some, some, some people who write in, they're dealing with somebody who wants to keep stirring up the flames and keep it going. I'm not hearing that. You're not describing that. He's just trying to go on with his life after a casual relationship. So, yeah, so he does the best he can. He offers support. He feels what he can provide. And it doesn't seem to be good enough for me because I always want more. Yeah, and that's frustrating for him. Yes. I don't know if you've ever been in that position where somebody's always sad and anxious because how you feel about them isn't what they hoped, but it's really hard to be around. And if you've been in that situation, you know, it's not because the person's a bad person. It just happens sometimes. And traumatized people just, it's really hard for, for us to right the ship sometimes to sort of bring, bring ourselves back from that limerent state. Okay. I know I need to release attachment and expectations of him. You say that in a little bit like a Buddhist way, like it's a like it's a high act or something like you would do for anything. But I think what you need is to get over the man. You need to wash him out of your hair. 
This isn't really a spiritual thing, it's a practical matter, like not be around his things, his face, his voice, his smell, his stuff, to have no hope. You want to like, uh, like abandon all hope, ye who live here. There can't be any hope. And um, get into acceptance. But I'm, and I'm not sure how not to take this personally and stop feeling so sensitive around him. Yeah, it's just got, you know, you know when limerence gets in? When we don't have something meaningful in our lives. When we don't have love and connection and meaning in what we're doing. And so when you take a sabbatical, if you follow my suggestion, it's time for you to cultivate your life, your meaning, your friendships, the things you love, the beauty, the animals, the, the, the friends, the experiences that make you happy because you fulfilled. It's a lot harder to knock you out of that space into limerence, which is where we totally leave ourselves. And it's just like, everything is about this other person and whether they gave us a sign or some energy or something. It's a false God. It just can't do it for you. It just can't. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, Think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.